Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the world premiere of Platanos and Grits. I'm your co-host, Tyler Kemp, and along with me, for the first time ever in the lab, introduce yourself, sir. I'm Enrique Rosado. Enrique, what's up, man? We've been, we've been pressing for this show for two months. Listen, there were trials and tribulations, is what I call it. Trials and tribulations. Because I applied for the show back in the beginning of the semester, and we couldn't give it to you because you have a show already, so it had to be under my name. But they were they were just playing games. They were playing games. They didn't want us to. They don't want us to win. So you know, whatever. But we're here now. We found a way. That's all that matters. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you want to do, man? This is our show. We got pretty much an hour and some change to do whatever we want. What do you want to start with? Well, we did ask our faithful viewers, our fans, you know, because we have fans already to ask us some questions. That you wanted us to answer, so I feel like we should just get into some things, you know? Just get into it. Let's do it, man. So, what's the first question? The first question is our best memory together. I had to think about it, so you can go first. Our best memory together? So, for those that don't know, me and Enrique, or Enrique and I, grammatically correct, have been friends since seventh grade of middle school that's the first time you came to fieldston we were i would say we were at an acquaintance level before we we really became friends during like our upper class years (laughs) of high how were we not friends i said we were acquaint we were we were definitely on the low end of acquaintance we knew the same people that was about it okay but then what would you say our friendship began sometime in high school maybe or like spain spain Okay, that's when our friendship began. Because still in middle school, we knew the same people. But then come 10th grade, when we went to Spain together for our spring break trip, with a bunch of people that we all knew, that's probably when our friendship began. And that's where we developed to where we are today. So our best memory together... I told you yesterday, I texted you once I got this question. There's not one particular moment. It's a combination of moments. Like I can't pick one particular point in Spain where I was like, Oh my god, I'm gonna remember that forever. It was more like the Spain trip itself. Or like the Cuba trip itself. Like I can't pick a favorite moment between you and me. Or just you and me working in the spit on a Sunday afternoon and just chilling and shooting the breeze. Whatever. I can't think of one moment that was like boom. How adorable. This is the moment. We've had multiple moments, I feel like. That would probably be what it is, and that's what's helped our friendship to grow over the last couple years. I'm about to cry, yo. We just started five <laughs> minutes ago. What are you talking about? Um. All right, well, my favorite, I guess I kind of agree. I don't really, okay, Spain, I think, was our favorite, my favorite memory, because we roomed together the whole trip. We did. Which was, like, totally not supposed to happen, because, like, I put my other friend as the person that I wanted to room with, Um. and we. I roomed with him the first night, but, that, like, I roomed with him inside of the first night, but that was it. The rest of the trip, I room with Tyler and someone else. Actually, the person who asked this question. Um, so yeah, we had we had some good times in the room. Yeah, we had some <laughs> some good times. We had some interventions. We <laughs> we had oh some. God. That's why I'm saying we can't pick one particular moment from Spain. I'll I'll just say that week in Spain. Yeah, I think Spain that definitely was a found like a, it was it was very iconic. Yeah, it was, it was a foundation for something more essential part of this friendship. Yeah, definitely. Oh, so. Man. <laughs> next Sorry. question I'm just laughing you Spain could... was a trip man um, okay next question let's get into some things um alright 
so I don't know if you people follow Villanova basketball, but we go here, so we obviously do, and we received the news this week that one of our players is leaving, he's transferring. Um, Dylan Painter will no longer be on the Villanova team, and the question is, how do we feel? How happy are you about Painter leaving one to ten? <laughs> oh my God! So, DP, honestly, his story was kind of not necessarily a tragedy. It was more like it never developed into anything. Because honestly, not a lot of people know this. He was a four-star prospect out of five stars coming out of high school. Everybody thought he was going to be a really good big man for Villanova basketball. That just never really developed. His first year, he was meh, okay. The national championship year last year, he actually redshirted because Omari Spellman was just so much better than him. And now this year, we just bring in a bunch of freshmen who are okay. They're developing, but they're still better than him already. So now DP ain't getting no playing time. So Dylan made the best decision for himself and his family. He had to go somewhere else, and he needed to change the scenery. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how happy am I? About 4 or 5, maybe. Because, honestly, he was taking up another scholarship that we could use for recruiting. So, I'm not opposed to it. Um, I personally don't care whether or not he's on the team. Because <laughs> he never played. So, he never affected our bag and our scoring. Um, he, as along with the other group of bench mob, would only play in, like, the last, what, Couple 20 minutes. seconds right. of a game that minutes, we were winning seconds. by, like, over 20 points. So, like, I... He never, I was never impacted by his basketball ability. So if he wants to leave, he can leave. I hope he does well wherever he goes. Good luck. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll kill it wherever you go. You were a good basketball player. Obviously, you made it on the team. So just blessings, blessings. Always, as usual. Um, next question. Is it morally wrong to eat Chick-fil-A? And this question really affects me because you know I get down with some Chick-fil-A. Oh, I love chicken. I can't, but you know, it's not. (laughs) It's not right. Like, we probably shouldn't eat it. But, I mean, this is how I rationalize it. Like, they, there are people of color that work there. There are LGBTQ people that work there. There are people that, like, the CEO does discriminate against. They do work there. So, like, at the same time, yeah, he's gonna feel it in his pocket but i feel like they're gonna feel it more because they're the ones working so like if we stop going to chick-fil-a let's say and that chick-fil-a closes and 10 black people work there they all just now don't have jobs they're out of work like they're out of work so like that's that's how i make myself feel better when i go eat chick-fil-a i try not to it's really bad and i i know we talk a lot about supporting businesses of color and businesses that are not problematic but I feel like for us, for me to do that personally, I need to know that I'm not affecting someone's, like, I'm not affecting someone's bag. Like, I'm not going to stop going to Chick-fil-A if that means that, like, a group of people of color that are, like, impoverished and come from low-income neighborhoods are now out of work because I, I did something. Like, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it's going to take some money out of the CEO's pocket. He's already rich. He already made bank off Chick-fil-A. That's, he's not going to lose the money. That's just my two cents on that. So I think with the whole Chick-fil-A thing, obviously, like you said, they've said some discriminatory stuff about people of color. They said discriminatory stuff about the LGBTQ community and so many other minority groups throughout the United States of America. But at the same time, like you said, I agree with you. I do get down with some Chick-fil-A whenever it's needed. 
Um, I mean, it's tough. It's a very tough question about is it morally wrong? Because like you said, the CEO and the company as a whole has come out and verbalized some bad things against these communities that we've talked about, these minority groups that are obviously living in the United States and they are human beings, they are people. But at the same time, like you said, these people work for this company and this business. They put them to work and let them make money. So if you and I stop going to Chick-fil-A, Enrique, and we put a Chick-fil-A out of business and we have a certain amount of employees that don't get any work anymore, what are they going to do with the rest of their life? So on the macro scale, yes, it is morally wrong. But on the micro scale, you got to think about the individual people that are working there. So my answer is... I don't think it's morally wrong to eat at Chick-fil-A, but I think you should be more socially conscious with what they're doing and what they're saying. I think in a perfect world, we should probably shouldn't eat there. Like yeah. in, in a perfect world, in a world where people actually weren't affected by big changes like this, we shouldn't eat there, but that's not the case. Like It's a lot more complicated than just, let's, take, layers to let's take some money out of this man's pocket. Like It's not that simple. It's not that easy. If it were that easy, a lot of businesses would have been out of business already. Long time ago. Um, so, answer more questions. Um, okay, wildest thing you've heard on campus? Wildest thing? You know, I could really get into some things, but I don't want nobody's Wildest thing? I think one of the crazier things that I once heard on this campus is that Let's just say former Villanova point guard Ryan Ochidiakono, who's now playing for Chicago Bulls, doing pretty well for himself, won us a national championship in his senior year. Let's just say he liked to party hard. Like, uh, really, like, he parties hard. I mean, like, Enrique, look at me. Like, he parties hard. Yikes. So. Um, as he should, you know, live his best life. That's what he wants to do. I think that's one of the craziest things. Now, at that same on that same token about Archie, about him liking loving to party hard some people took it to a whole nother extreme and said that he was doing stuff that you only find in certain ghettos and certain neighborhoods certain wars on certain substances that we had back in the 90s like they were talking about he was doing that i said we're in a suburb in villanova pennsylvania if he's finding anything like that we got a bigger problem so does he party hard yeah maybe are you surprised if they have it but would you be surprised Probably not, but no, that's probably one of the wilder things I've heard since I've been on this campus, especially because I was a freshman. It was my first week on campus, so I didn't really know. I was like, oh, no, Archie, he was so good. But, hey, man, he's doing his thing now. Shouts out to Ryan Archidiakono doing his thing in Chicago. But there's so many more that I had to keep it clean. Um, So, what you got? Again, I'm not going to hurt anybody's feelings. This is the first show. I'm not going to cover nobody's lives, so I'm not going to put nobody's business out there. I think the craziest, like, PG thing that I've heard on campus is I was in the dining hall and I overheard some people talking about how ketchup is spicy. And I was baffled by this because it's not. Like, ketchup is not at all in any way, shape, or form any sort of spicy. Like, like, at all. Ketchup is spicy. So I don't know, like, what... I don't know if they only ate, like... I don't know how they season their food, if it was just with water, like if they did like the four elements like on some water, air, dirt, and I don't even know what <laughs> Earth, else. Earth, wind, like, and fire. <laughs> I, I really don't know, but ketchup is not spicy, and that, I, 
that upset me. That upset me because the spicy food here isn't spicy. Like the food that's, that's like they're true. like, oh my god, it's so spicy. The spicy chicken sandwiches, the firecracker at the law school. I'm waiting for the spice and it never arrives. It just never comes. So I think that is definitely the craziest thing that I've heard. And before we get into some more questions, we're gonna play some songs. Yeah, we'll be right back. We're back with Platanos and Grits with Tyler and Enrique. What's up? So, quick intermission, you know, I had to catch my breath with my first show. I'm not used to this. <laughs> um, but we're going to get into some things. We're going to get into Donkey of the Week. So I'm going to let Tyler go first. You know, I always have lots of things to say. <laughs> you have a lot of donkeys you want to point out. But <laughs> I also do, but it's technically one. So my Donkey of the Week is... It's November. We are, what, four, five days out from Thanksgiving. So people like to do this thing called Friendsgiving, right? Where you get together with all your friends either before or after Thanksgiving. What are you talking about? It's not before. It's always the Friday. If you're not doing Friendsgiving on the Friday after Thanksgiving, you're not doing it right. What if you want to do Black Friday shopping? for Thursday, Friendsgiving for Friday. Like, it makes sense. What if you want to do Black Friday shopping? Black Black Friday shopping is like at 4 o'clock in the morning. Why would you go in the afternoon? All the good stuff is gone. All right, if you say so. Anyway, Friendsgiving is when all your friends get together and y'all just have some good food. Whether that's Thanksgiving food or whatever, y'all just come together, y'all link up, and y'all eat. It's Friendsgiving, okay? So, there was this meme going around on the internet, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, you name it, where people were asking their parents, I'm having a Friendsgiving at college, and we want to know how do we microwave a 25-pound turkey? And then, obviously, <laughs> since that's supposed to be a joke, you post your parents' response, and with them not knowing it's a prank, they're going to probably go ham on you and start acting crazy. So you post a response, you get some laughs, get some retweets, whatever. All of y'all that did that, y'all are my donkey of the week. They were just trying to be funny. But, come on, like, you know, you know, you already know. <laughs> You're not putting no 25 pounds. Think about a 25-pound turkey. You know who I think, if, if that's the line of discussion that we're going through, I think the real donkeys of the day are the parents that are encouraging this behavior. Because I've seen some screenshots of parents talking about, oh, put you it in do for this. a few yeah, hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. Put it in for this. Come on now. Like, you're an adult. Or if somebody, if somebody goes along with it, just like, oh, how long, how long did you set the microwave for? Because you got to cook 10 pounds per X amount of minutes. Come on. Like, <laughs> sometimes as a parent, you got to know best. You have to. And if you don't, then that's a bigger problem, I feel like. I feel like if someone hit me up asking me, how do you microwave a 25-pound chicken, I'll leave it on red because that's just a, that's a game. Right. Now, I don't know how to cook a turkey, and I'll probably, maybe, I might learn one year at a family Thanksgiving how to cook a turkey or be a part of that process. But I already know you don't microwave a 25-pound turkey. Enrique, 
Think about that. Twenty. Think about a twenty-five pound. Dumb- in the microwave. I was about to say. Think about a twenty-five pound dumbbell. Not in terms of the shape, but think about the weight of twenty-five pounds. Now think about a turkey that's twenty-five pounds. Like you said, can that fit in the little micro fridge microwave that they give us on campus? I mean, unless you have an elite microwave that's big and has space, it's not gonna fit. So these parents are really just bugging. Right. So shout out to everyone that went along with it and got some laughs. Good for you. But yeah, also to the parents that were like, "Oh, um, you got to do this, this, and this. You got to season it." No, y'all messed up. Y'all got to be better. Everybody got to be better all the way around. So y'all are my donkeys of the week before that we get into this Thanksgiving season starting next week. So Enrique, I've know you. You've had a few because we thought we were gonna be on the air a couple months ago. But if you had to give just one for this week, who would it be? You know, I'm gonna give this person donkey of life. Because <laughs> oh, no. I feel like this person's legacy is tarnished. I will never look at this person again. I can never listen to their music the same. So let's just get right to it. I'm, you know me. You know I don't like beauty around the bush. I'm very direct. So Nicki Minaj, you got it, man. You got donkey of life because you're a mess. Like, I mean, I know you're not hearing this right now, but... I feel like I just, I can't get down with what's going on. Like, she's on her Queen radio show talking about she's Harriet Tubman freeing slaves, oh, no. doing this, that, and the third. When, like, what, what, is, what is this? What is, what is this? Why are we doing this? Leave Harriet, leave Harriet Tubman alone. Leave her alone. She, she did nothing to anybody to be brought up in these manners, in this ridiculous behavior. We don't have time for that. Leave, leave her alone. Leave her alone. And, you know, this whole beef with um, Belcalis, Cardi B, as you may know her as, it, to me, is stupid. It, to me, it's always been about one thing. Nicki Minaj does not know how to share airspace. And that is just a fact. Like, we can't, we can't fight about that. In her whole career, she has been the only female rapper, not because she was... Not really because she was superior to the other ones, but because physically she was the only female rapper. Like, Lil Kim was kind of dying down. Kind of. She looked like a Simpson by the time Nicki Minaj was coming around. Because oh, I remember God. when Lil Kim was on Dancing with... I was, we, were all, we were both young when Nicki started getting hot, but Lil Kim was on Dancing with the Stars that one year. She looked like She looked like Marge. Oh. I ain't even gonna hold you. I, I can't. So, yes, uh, so, Lil' I mean, Kim was... Let's, let's just say Lil' Kim was out the game by then. Lyrically, she wasn't. Because, you know, they had their little beef. They they exchanged diss tracks. Black Friday definitely won yes. the diss track battle. Stupid stupid blank. I can't, I can't say that word on, on radio. Right. But Nicki Minaj's diss track was cute. You know, it was like a, like a, like a ha-ha, like a, a hee-hee song. But, you know, Black Friday was bars. And I think that's what it takes to win a rap battle. Remy Ma was in jail. Like... Just all the people that we looked at, they were gone. Like, they were just disappearing. Right, they were, they they were, were either OGs or... They were dying, they were tired. Like, yeah. that's it. And so she had a, a power vacuum. And, you know, she did do it in a, in a new way. Like, she had the colorful wigs and, and the, the the chicken wing chains and the, mm-hmm. the crazy outfits and, and the personas. You know, she has, like, 17 different personalities. I never know who I'm listening to. And the fact she was also associated with two of the biggest rappers of the 2010s decade with Drake and Lil Wayne. There you go. Like, Young Money, the tr- that trio was iconic. And, and and really, you could argue that it's still a little bit more detached from each other now. They're, they're still iconic 
for what they did. For what they did. Um, and I'm going to give her donkey of, of life because for some reason, you know, she was talking about Travis Scott's baby. Talking about that's the only reason why World was number, number one on Billboard. When really, her album just did not sell enough to right. become number one on Billboard. And it's funny because she added several tracks to the album without telling anybody to try and get streams. She added the record with Takashi. She added Barbie, Barbie, Barbie things. She added and, and some new, some new things, some some new records that weren't good. Um, she added them all to to her official album to get extra streams, and she never made it past number two. Like, which is, is funny for someone who claimed that this was the best album, that this was the the album of the year, that this was her best work. And, and it, it wasn't true. Queen was corny. If you listen to it, it wasn't good. The songs weren't memorable. It was a it was a feel good album in the moment. I can't say that I'll listen to any. I can't say that I would willingly listen to any of those songs again on my own time. Pink Print, which she released in the summer of 2014, was a superior album by far. Every song was good. She it was authentic. It was it. There was no gimmicks. There was no no Chun Li's. No none of these crazy, these crazy people that she has. These crazy personal. It, it had none of that. None of that. And I think that that's the Nicki Minaj that she needs to show. Cause what I think she's doing right now, I think she's giving what people what she thinks people wants. She's giving what the what she thinks that people want. She thinks that people want crazy. She thinks that people want gimmicks. And that's not true. That's not true. People want rap. Like people want lyrics. And, and yeah, Cardi B doesn't. I'm not arguing that she's the better lyricist because she's not. That's that's not that's not questionable. You can't question that. We know she's not. But there's a level of authenticity that she has that Nicki Minaj has never had, ever, in in at all. And that's just that for me. That's why she gets it. Like the whole fight with Cardi B, the the the, the physical fight, the 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 radio show after, like it was just it was it was dumb to me. Like what is the point of all? Like did you get a bag from this? Well, evidently she did. She got several bags. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um it's just like I don't I don't like seeing as as entertaining as it was in the moment. I personally don't really I don't think we're in a space to have this kind of public slandering um of 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 female artists. Especially not female rappers, because female rappers, up until this year and last year, they were not in abundance. We had one, and now we have several. You know, City Girls is coming up, mm-hmm. Sweetie, uh, Cupcake, The Dolls. There's like four of them: Dream, Asian, Cuban, um, Cash. Young and May is still Young and May is still out here. Remy Ma is trying to come back. Lil Kim is trying to come back. So, I feel like we're at a time where we need to em- embrace several female rappers and I'm not, I'm not saying that let's throw out Nicki Minaj let's, no no one is saying that no one is saying let's throw her out no one is saying you know whatever it's just lyrically she's not she's not keeping up she's not in terms of like well, I want to say lyrically but in terms of quality music she's not keeping up to me her downfall started in 2016 when Remy dropped Sheetha Sheetha was 6 minutes and 58 seconds of, of, of fire and she didn't respond to that yeah, that and was bad. That's hip hop to me. Like, what's the point? You know, like you, you, you do a lot of uh, subs. You know, you mentioned her husband. You said you called her husband out by name. You said Papoose wrote an Ether record. That's what you said in one of your songs. But you could never respond. You never took time to re- to reply. Why you challenged her? You said, drop a hit. 
I want you to drop a hit like I drop hits. Okay. Remy Ma, unfortunately, she doesn't have that ability. You know, in terms of, like, big hits, she, she that's not the type of rapper she is. No. She delivers real bars. Okay. Cardi B comes up. She has Bora Yellow, first, first number one on Billboard. First time that a female rapper has done that solo since Lauryn Hill. I like it. The second one. The new record with um, Maroon 5, Girls Like You. Mm-hmm. That's three in a year. Maybe a year and a half. Nicki Minaj has been in the game since how long? She hasn't had one. Long time. And so now what she's saying is, but you don't write. You know, like your lyrics aren't as good as mine. So what's the truth? You you can't pick sides. You can't say, you can't tell one person, oh, you don't write. Uh, my lyrics are better than yours. But then when you have somebody that lyrically will destroy you because they did, in a diss record that was 6 minutes and 58 seconds, and then they dropped another one right after that. Then you want to tell them, oh, make a hit? No. No, 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 no. You can't, you can't be flipping. You can't flip flop like that. It's either you pick, you pick literally, like your song says, pick a side. Pick a side. Just pick a side. You can't, you can't argue, oh, you don't make hits, you don't make hits. But then when you have somebody that makes hits, hits, like every single song on Cardi B's album went into Billboard Top 100 when the album dropped. The album is still on the top 20, I believe. The album is was broke the record for the most streamed female rap album. It was the mo- it was the longest album on top 10 on Bill on top 10 on the top 200 albums on Billboard. And the album dropped in April. Queen dropped in August, and it's already way lower than Invasion of Privacy, which is Cardi B's album. Right. So I'm just gonna just take the L. I feel like some people, you know, Drake was when Drake was talking to um, LeBron James in that that little in the shop series, the in the shop. He was talking about I don't know, I don't, I'm afraid of overstaying my welcome, and that really resonated with me because I feel like a lot of artists struggle with that, but they don't know that they struggle with that. And this is a case. I feel like not necessarily you've overstayed your welcome, but. You have to switch it up. Like you, you can't just... This is a formula, and you're doing the same thing over and over again. And it's obviously not working. You haven't had a number one album since Pink Friday. You haven't had a number one song, period. Not with anyone else, not a feature at all. Come on. like You have to, you have to amp it up. You have to amp it up. No, so, I think with the overstaying the welcome, like Drake said when he was discussing with um, LeBron... I don't think it's a, like you said. It's not a matter of her overstaying her welcome. She's not allowing other women to have their welcome in the rap game. She's stopping bags. Like she's she's having radios not play people's things. Like there was the whole story about you know the song "Drip" on Cardi B's album. Right. It was supposed to allegedly have future on it. And if you know if you didn't know before the tour got canceled, Nicki Minaj's tour was a co tour with Future. So what what is being said is that she said you're either on the song with her or you're on the tour with me, but you're not doing both. And I believe it. I absolutely believe it, cause that's just the nature of her. You know, like when you have somebody that has been alone, the whole their whole career, they're not gonna want competition. I wouldn't want competition. I wouldn't either. I would feel threatened if a random sh- stripper from the Bronx, because really that's what Cardi B was before she before she started rapping, uh, for the people who like didn't listen to her music before that. She just comes, she gets the number one out of nowhere. How? 
Right. No, I, I would feel a certain kind of way if somebody just took on my spotlight. Because Nicki's, been, like you said, when Young Money, when did Young Money's album Bedrock and all that come out? Like 2011, right? I think even before that, honestly. Maybe like 2000. All right, let's maybe, just say some, sometime around the turn of the decade, right? Think about it. It's, a, it's about to be another turn of the decade. Nicki's been around for a long time. Ten years in the rap game is a lot. A lot of people say that the consensus GOAT when it comes to women in rap is Lauryn Hill. Lauryn Hill had one album and was out of here. She still performs that album. She still goes Oh, she's on about tours. to go back on tour. She goes on the tour. The Education of Lauryn Hill is coming album. back on tour. Yes. She right. had one album and got out. And then, I mean, this is a, a little well before our time, but Queen Latifah was one of the queens of rap. MC Light was one of the queens of rap. Lil' Kim that's back what, in that's the 90s. Why, why does there have to be a queen of rap? And, you know, because people say the media pits black women against each other. Facts. But this isn't just the media. This is also her. Like, she has made this culture as a part of her her stay here. Always. Oh, I'm I'm number one. I'm I'm the queen of rap. And yeah, obviously you're supposed to boast yourself and you're supposed yeah, to gas yourself. Always. It's one thing to do that in your in your records. It's another thing to do that in life. Like it's another thing to actually not feel comfortable with the uh, with the idea of other female rappers. And like yeah, now you want to embrace you know whichever doll was on your radio show the other day. Okay, that's cute, but it's too late for that now. We all know how you are. Like you can't switch up out of nowhere like that. That's a one hundred and eighty turn. Like. Not for nothing, Cardi B just had Fashion Nova launch, right? Right. She had Sweetie, City Girls, City Girl, because JT's still in jail. Free mm-hmm. JT. Um, Dream Doll, Brianna Perry, and two female DJs, DJ Charisma and DJ Duffy. That's, that is the kind of stuff that we need. That's the kind of stuff that needs to be happening. Right, put Women people on. in hip-hop, put people on. You have a spotlight. You have... The ability to make make or break somebody's career. Why don't you use that? Like I could never see myself having that high of a position and not helping somebody else. Cause think think about. Cause she got help. She didn't do it by herself. Right. If it Spe- wasn't for young of money. Her, speaking of her helping young money, think about Drake and everybody he's brought up through the OVO and EXO system. Like the he, weekend. Like, he literally the- brought up the weekend. Like in Crew Love, you know who I thought that was? I thought that was the dream. The dream hasn't been relevant since 2007, but it was The weekend. Now The weekend has made a career for himself. Drake and Tory Lanez have had their beef. Tory Lanez is not affiliated with OVO, but they just made up over um, last year in the spring, I believe. They met up in New York City. Now, they could be dropping something sometime soon because um, Drake actually brought Tory out at one of his um, OVO Fest things over the summer. So now they're back on good terms. Drake has helped to create careers for guys like Roy Woods, who's coming up in Toronto now. Um, Baka Not Nice, who has the song Live Up To My Name, he's coming up now in the city of Toronto. There are so many guys that Drake has helped to elevate, maybe with a little bit of beef mixed in between, but still, he's bringing people up. He's not tearing people down. I understand the saying that heavy is the head that wears the crown, okay? I get that, Nikki. But at the same time, bring people up with you, like how you're doing. Don't try to tear other people down that might just budge into your spotlight for a bit that you have for a long time. Why? And like you said, she came, She told Remy Ma, make a hit record. She dropped Sheether. She doesn't do it. And Nicki doesn't do anything about it. Why not? If you're going to be the queen, prove it. Put your foot down. Let the people know who you really are. Then but at the wanna, same time, who are you Twitter. really? You want to go on Twitter talking about, oh, to Cardi B, come, come, come meet with me in a room and let's hear a beat for the first time. And five minutes, we're going to record each other writing, right? 
That's what she wanted to do. But where was that energy when Remy Ma dropped Sheetha? That's what I want to know. That's just my question. Like, where was that energy at? Because you can't, like, Remy Ma talked about her brother. Remy Ma talked about Meek STDs. Mill. Meek Mill. Safari. Drake. Safari. Um, everything. Everything that you could talk about. The butt implants. Everything. Everything. Ghostwriters. That was career changing. Like, that simply could have ended her career. And arguably, I think it did. I think that was a catalyst. I think that was a start. I think that the features that she did after that, they weren't good. They were whack, in my opinion. I think that from then on, it was downhill because she was so confident that she was still maintaining this image. She didn't give the rap, the fans what they actually wanted. We wanted real hip-hop. We wanted a real battle. We wanted real lyrics. You had, like, come on now. Come on. Yeah, Nikki, like... She, I'm not going to say she was great. This isn't like a situation where it's all over for now. But at the same time, she has to make some adjustments. That That's really what I'm going to leave it at. I'm not going to say, oh, you got killed by Remy. Like, it's over for you. That was two years ago. Nikki is obviously alive and well, as we've seen on social media over the last couple months with her beef against Cardi B. Now, I think with this whole thing, honestly, a couple years from now, this is all going to blow over. There's going to be water off a duck's back on both sides. A couple months from now, it's all going to blow over. Like, they're still making music. Nobody's worried about that anymore. Like, as long as, it. As long as, like you said, nobody is getting stopped from getting their bag, then it's fine in the grand scheme. The issue here is it's simple. You have somebody that is, is you have someone who's young, who's impressionable, who is still... Has, Charismatic. Has one year, two years into this industry, doesn't really know what to do. Cardi B is one year removed from the Bronx. As someone from the Bronx, I can tell you, we don't, like, the, putting up with nonsense is not something that we do, like, at all. And so, yeah, she threw a shoe, and yeah, she tried to run up. Do I think that was the right thing to do? No. Do I think it was necessary? Kind of. Because when you're talking about somebody's child, you're denying it. They, they, I, I know me, I don't like to repeat myself. I don't like to talk to people several times about one thing. They had several conversations, my understanding, about the same issues. So yeah, you're going to get frustrated and you're going to want to do something else. You're going to want to take it to that next level. Is it right? Absolutely not. We should not be putting our hands on people. We should not be throwing shoes. However, if it happens, it happens. That's it. Push Sometimes forward. you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Push forward. So, All right, that's that. Let's get um, back to these questions. <laughs> that was a whole section for Donkey of the Week. Oh Lord. Listen, I, I said Donkey of Life. Did I not? You we, did. We have and to I think yeah, we covered that. Um, th- we got a question. How do y'all feel about the Nick and Carter beef? I mean, we just pretty much explained that. I think it's dumb. I think it's tired. I think this is all just somebody trying to grapple onto their spot that's slipping. Um, Nicki Minaj has resorted to associating herself with a registered sex offender to try and maintain her career. Her and Takashi 69 are now best friends. They're up and down together. That's real cute, but you have young female fans of the age of 13, which was the age of the girl that he did whatever he did with. You just need to be mindful of that image. Like, yeah, he might be misunderstood, but he did what he did. And evidently, I don't really think he feels sorry for it. Um, I think he is a mess. He was the runner-up for Donkey of the Week, um, Donkey of Life, because he's another one. I could give it to him any week that we do the show. Yep. Um, so she's just tired, you know. She just needs a nap. 
Just put her to sleep. Right, I think on both sides. I think I'm not gonna say let it go, but Nikki has to honestly, lack of a better word, let it go. This was overblown from the start. Cardi's coming up. Nikki feels away, and that's just the way that the industry works. Sometimes your fire is not gonna be as lit as it once was. What six, seven, eight years back? It it can't. And that's it's hard to like, last. You're, that you're long. messing yourself up. Like you're messing your own legacy. Up. Like why would you do that? Why? Right. If you really want to be one of the goats and one of the queens of rap of all time, gracefully bow, bow out. Like that's it. Right. We're not telling you to retire completely, but help to lead the new generation. Help to pass on the torch to some of the younger ladies that are coming up. It's in the not game. that hard. Hey sis, like this is what it is. I've been in this industry for ten years. I'm gonna give you some pointers. I'm gonna let you know what it is. Right. Do that. I'm gonna give you. The, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna tell you what. What it really. What. What is really like. What you're really getting into before you really get into this, it's really that that simple. There's no need for for talking about postpartum depression, for talking about rats, this that, freedom, monkeys. Like, what what is this? What is this? Like, this is what we're doing now. Radio beef. We're hopping on radio shows, mouthing off. Where was that energy when you were in the in the fashion show, the New Year Fashion Week? You was in the corner. Like Cardi B said, Chun Li, the Street Fighter, he was in the corner talking about, I'm, sta- I'm staying right here. So don't go on your radio show talking hot, and then when you get pressed in person, you want to you wanna back down. Nah, put it up. Put it up. Hey, I've pull always up said it. Pull up. Like, I don't care. And I actually, I made a joke about this the other day. Um, a couple weeks ago, I almost got to a physical altercation with this very, a uh, person that was much larger than I am. And... I wasn't, you know, I wasn't afraid because at the end of the day, had I got a beat up, whatever, I know that I didn't back down from that fight. And I, I, I backed up what I was saying. I was talking hot. So that's it. It's really as simple as that. If you're going to talk, if you're going to do that, do, do all that rah-rah, keep that energy in person. Like, don't back down because that's whack. And that's, that's all I have to say. Right. That. Yeah, we summed that up over the last 15 minutes, I would say. All right. Moving on. Let's see. Hmm. What do we want to answer next? Ooh. All right. Very dramatic shift of gears. Um, I got a question that says, what's the most racist situation you've encountered on this campus? Ooh. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know if you want to answer. I have an idea in mind. I'm good either way. I'll start. This wasn't a personal encounter, but... With social media, everything is so digitized that it's basically personal. Now, we, you and I both know the song Freaky Friday, right? With Chris <laughs> Brown and Lil Dicky, okay? A trap. That song is a trap. It's a trap, and obviously the cultural reference was Freaky Friday with Lindsay Lohan and how she switched bodies with her mother in the movie. So Dicky and C. Breezy decided to play on that in their music video and in the song in that they switch bodies, they're pretty much rapping as each other. And let's just say that certain people took oh, that singing. to real life. So there's a part in the song where Chris Brown goes on a little... Not, I'm not going to say a rant, because he doesn't rant in his songs, because he makes it sound so good with his voice. But he says a racial epithet consecutive times, in consecutive lines. The N-word, of course. So... Freaky Friday, for some reason, became a very popular song at frat parties. And at a particular frat, no names would be mentioned, of course, they played this song. 
And there were Snapchat videos of the song, multiple Snapchat videos of this song being played. And this particular part in the song right before the chorus came on where Chris Brown goes on his uh, spurt of M-words, let's just say. And there were no black people around. It was a bunch of white girls, a bunch of white guys, and they just kept singing. They kept singing the song. It was the explicit version, obviously, because nobody's going to censor a song at a party. They kept singing it, and there was nothing done about it. And then I saw it, and I said to myself, yikes, this is a problem. Now, Enrique, you know me. The frat life is not really my thing, because I don't really want to get up in the mix with all that. And people constantly ask me, oh, Tyler, you should rush this fraternity, that fraternity. And then they ask me why I don't. And I point to that example. I think that example in itself just lets me know that I wouldn't be safe in that kind of environment. Like I said, I wasn't necessarily there, but being that I saw it on multiple Snapchat stories, multiple Instagram stories, Rinsters, Finsters, wherever. I saw it too many times where it just hit home and it became very personal to me, where I had to screen record it and I had to call the people out that posted this. Now, okay, I might've gotten some responses back saying, oh, this is BS, like this shouldn't have happened. But at the same time, it happened. Like, what are we really going to do about it? There's work that needs to be done. Enrique, is there not? Yes, that is not a question that needs to be asked. We know this. We knew this. Um, so that was just my moment. that I, I haven't faced anything personally, one-on-one, where somebody's talked out of the neck crazy to me directly. But that's probably the moment that hits closest to home to me. Not going to. No. That, um, that's the way that they're going to do it. But why do you feel like... Why do you feel like they feel the need to say this word? Because I've always been fascinated about their fascination with this word and why they feel so, like, inclined to say it. Because, you know, like, we're not out here calling people, calling white people crazy names and, and calling them right. derogatory terms. The and, brand, like, Ritz and um, all those <laughs> other good brands, saltines. We're not calling them that. We're not doing that. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's really easy to not say a word. I think... Like, like example, we're on this radio show. We can't curse. If you know me... If you know us. You know every single curse word is in my vocabulary and it gets used frequently. I haven't cursed a single time during this however long we've been on air. I've been impressed. You've been holding it down for your first debut. Good it's not difficult. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. The you people that do it do it out of out of out of just ignorance because they feel like doing it. Like, period. There's no discussion about it. Like you ha- most definitely have the ability to not say it. Like there's nothing in your brain that's like, oh my god, it's five o'clock. I need to say the n word or else I'm gonna die. No, like you just want to be ignorant and you just feel like being cute and and being being that one person that says it when like in reality you don't know who that harms around you like. A lot of the people that posted that snap story, because I saw it as well, were our, some people that I consider friends. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to keep it a buck. Those people that I consider friends. And they don't see that. They don't, they don't, they don't realize it because they, they've never had to experience any sort of hardship. They've never had to experience any sort of difficulty surrounding race or surrounding that word or, or whatever the case may be. Right. And it's just like, come on, we have to do better. Like as a people, we need to do better for right. a lot of reasons. And one thing, I'm not gonna say that people are more infatuated with the word, and I think people are more infatuated with black culture as a whole. Oh, well, Every yeah. everything, I, I no, mean, no, everything about it, the music, the style, the lingo, the sport, 
everything within Shoot, black people. culture, the people, which we'll get into in a couple minutes before we go off the air, the men in particular, but I think they're more infatuated with the culture as a whole and being that that particular racial epithet is one of the mainstays and one of the building blocks almost of the culture. When you become so invested in a culture that's not yours, when you appropriate such a culture, you want to do everything that's a part of it. You want to be about it, but you don't necessarily... You want to talk about it, but you want to be about it. That's what it is. And you know what? Hot take. Hot take. And if you hear this and you get offended, reflect and think about why you're offended. Realistically, white American culture is theft. It is colonization. It violence. is violence. It is white supremacy. It is the KKK. I'll go as far as say genocide. Genocide um, of Native Americans. Look into it. Um, let's talk about it. I'm always willing. Um, just like violence at the border. Like, like, come on now. Like, you, you can't. We can't just pretend like this country was just always the way it was. Like, we can't pretend that the people that live here right now always live here. That was not the case. Nope. We have Native Americans living in low reserves in obscure places. People think that they don't exist. There's people that genuinely believe that they're just Disney characters, that they're fake. Nope, they're here. That they're a myth. Like, they, they're real people they that do real-life things, that struggle. They have the highest suicide rate amongst teenagers. That's sad. They have the highest rate of, of alcoholism amongst, amongst children. Children. They're here. Like, they're very real people. Um, and, and it's just, it's sad because... Like, right, we see them, but na- no, not everyone does. That's the problem. You, you can't be so oblivious to the world around you. Like, you, you just can't. It's it's very easy. I get it. It's easy to be oblivious, but it's also easy to not be. It's very, It takes five minutes to get on Google and say, you know what? Let me educate myself. Let me read an article. Research. Let all, me do some all research. All the time. I do it. It's not hard. It's not hard. All that time you spend on Instagram, all that time you spend talking to your friends, all that time you spend doing nothing, sitting on your phone, looking at your walls... You can spend doing something productive, you know? Research. Like, it's, it's out there. It it's, it's out it there. It doesn't even have to be stories. a book. Like, you, go on the internet. Go on Twitter. You'll YouTube fi- videos. You, you find a lot. Even, like, I'm Villanova. I'm, obviously, I'm not going to trash the school, but, they, you know, they try sometimes. And, like, there's lectures you can go to. There's classes you can take. There's like, lectures. There's classes, yes. People that don't know about this, it's because they choose not to know about this. They they are making that decision, and I can't rock with that. Like, I can't do that. Also, on the point of Villanova, like... The classes that the you could take, you know what they're called? They're called diversity courses. You know, many people I've heard say, oh, why do we have to take two diversity courses? Because this is the work that needs to be done. Two diversity courses is not enough, first of all. So the fact That's the that people are complaining about two diversity, two low diversity Which you could get done courses, in one course, too. Which you can get in one, done one semester, like... Come on, like we need to do better. The fact that that's what we're complaining about, like get get over yourselves. Yeah, people gotta get, just over, get yeah. over it. Let's do the next question, man. That was. Um, same line of discussion is Villanova a Philadelphia school? All right, I'll take this because this is a poll that I posted on my Instagram story. Was it over the summer? I think it was right before we got back to school. Um, a lot of people said yes. I think like fifty-seven percent yes, forty-three percent no. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people said yes. I said no. And, right, and you and I had an argument. I, I'm still torn on it because <laughs> I think... It's very clear for me. But go ahead. All right, so we're in a suburb about 25 minutes away from Philly, driving distance, right? I think that I don't have a definitive answer because we're a Philly school when necessary. 
prime example last year when we won the championship. No, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. Prime example last year when we won the national championship. We didn't have a parade on Lancaster Avenue. We took it straight to Broad Street, straight to City Hall, and had our national championship parade in the city of Philadelphia. Why? Why? Because it was cheaper. And because we didn't have to clean up the mess afterwards. Right. And the, commu- and the Villanova and the Radnor community, where there's a lot of affluent homes, if you've ever taken an Uber anywhere in the Villanova area, you've seen the houses around here, Enrique. You, that's what I'm, that's I'm going to leave it at. You've seen them. But okay. it's cheap. No, 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 no. Like you said, it's cheaper. And, all right, you could point to the fact that we're in a little league, you could say, with Penn, LaSalle, Drexel, schools that are actually in the city of Philadelphia. So you could point to that point if you want to say we're a Philly school. I can't argue with you on that. But at the same time, geographically, we're not a school in Philadelphia. <laughs> but at the same time, the people that do think we are like to use the lingo, like to use the slang, like to use John and hoagie and what else do philly people like to say drawing what whatever else the philadelphia culture is like the black philadelphia culture like the north philly meek mill philadelphia culture because he's a face of philly right now we could agree on that that culture people like to use it and people like to vulture it it's cute to use it in in life but then it's also cute to go back to your your homes in ohio and and in, in Southern California and, and all these nice little places, but then you come here and it's like you're a whole new person. Like, at the end of the day, Villanova is not a Philadelphia school, and this is not up for discussion or debate. Um, <laughs> I think about it if I was in New York and I went to school to Yonkers, or I encountered somebody that went to school in Yonkers, they did not go to school in New York City, and that's just a fact. They did not go to school in the Bronx, they went to school in Yonkers. It's the same thing. Yonkers is about 25 minutes away from the Bronx, depending on where you're from. For me, about 25 minutes. Villanova is about 25 minutes away from Philly. It's the same exact scenario. It is not Philadelphia. And they, yeah, we like to rep Philly. It's when it's convenient. You can say we're in the Philly area. When it's convenient, yeah, let's go to Philly because, you know, the parade or because Wells Fargo or this or that. Yeah, when it's convenient. But when it comes down to it, like, Villanova's not worried about Philadelphia. Villanova's not worried about the homeless people in Philadelphia. We're not worried about the 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 poverty. We're not worried about any of that. Like, individuals on campus, yes. Villanova as an institution is not worried about that. Nope. It's not. We love the radical community. Right. What, how many times? Like, why are we not going? Why is everyone not going to Philly for day of service in the fall? Why is everyone not going to Philly to help the kids from MLK day of service coming up in January? Like, And the people who do do it. Why is it that we're so ready to, to post it on Instagram and post it on Snap and make it a public thing? Like, two years ago, I went to Panama. Um, I lived there for two, two months in the summer, and um, I did community service. I still, there's still, I haven't, I've spoken to maybe, out of all the people that I know, a good 5% of the people that I know about my experience there and what I did. Why? Because it wasn't about me. It wasn't about what I... No, it wasn't about that. It was about me going there and, like, immersing myself in that culture, A, and B, doing something that would actually bring some positivity to people's lives there. Right. I didn't go there to post on or Instagram and post on to Snapchat. Like no. To look like I was saving somebody. Because I wasn't. Because they... Hot take, again, second of the hour. If it wasn't for the United States intervening and and not minding their business in these countries, they wouldn't need saving. And that's just the fact of the matter. Right, so now the United States wants to come back and save them. Panama, they just started getting money from the canal in 1999. When was the canal built? 
well before nineteen. Okay, and they're not getting that money back. Like it's not like we're 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 giving them the money back from when all the all the t- all the years that we have been the ones getting the money from the canal. No, they're just now from nineteen ninety nine and on gonna start getting the money from that. Come on now, like the Panama Canal brought in so much money that if Panama had that money, like it would be a completely different country. First of all, it would be developed, fully developed. And I argue that the area around it probably would have received some of that wealth too. Like, like, you can't, you know, even like this whole stuff with the migrant caravan, all that stuff. I've always said you can't get upset that people are coming here when you made it a point to destabilize where they're from to the point where there's violence everywhere, gang violence, violence from the state. They have nowhere else to go. The United States has branded themselves for years as the big brother of the Western Hemisphere, you know, of the best country in the world. So you tell me, why would any random person travel by foot thousands of miles to come here? For what? To get a burger from McDonald's? Nope. To steal somebody's job? Nope. To do commit crime? To rape? To steal? No. Why would why why would a why would a a crime boss or a drug dealer come all the way from South America or Central America to do that here when they're good over there? They're good over there. Why would they come here? The people that are coming here, the people that are making that journey, that miles and miles and miles of walking, months worth of walking to get here are people that have no other option. I don't. I, like, the fact that people actually can open their mouth and say they need to go back home, they need to do... They need to do no, no. No one willingly wants to leave their home, and that's just a fact. No one does. Why would anybody willingly want to pick up their family and, and make a trip that is not guaranteed that they're going to make it safely? It's not guaranteed that they're going to make it to the United States alive. It's not. It's not. It's hard. It's not guaranteed. They can die at any point in that trip. Why would they take their whole family to make that trip if it wasn't a necessity? If it wasn't a last resort? If it wasn't something that they had to do? And if we're talking about immigration, border crossing isn't even the highest, isn't even the most common way of immigrating into this country. It's overstaying a visa. A legal visa that was given to you. Overstaying you're welcome. That's, that's the theme of today, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it seems to be. It seems to be. Yeah. So it, it's the same thing. Like, People need to just open their eyes and read a book or two. Like it's really not that hard. Right, Re- really re- research hard. can go really, really very way. far. I did five minutes of research, and if I were to show you, they won't see it because they're not here with us right now. But I could show you the notes that I accumulated on immigration in five minutes of research. Look at this. Look at this. He's still swiping. Look He's at still this. Still swiping. I just finished swiping, and I swiped fast. That's big. That's cr- that's critical. Imagine, five imagine, minutes. Imagine if more people would take five minutes at a time. Imagine five minutes. You're in the bathroom. You're in the shower. Using the toilet. Five minutes. Boom. Research. At lunch by yourself. Waiting for class to start. On the shuttle. On the train. Anyway. On a plane going home. In a car. You're not driving. Like come on. We wow. have a do. We have a civic duty to educate ourselves. And this is everyone. This is not just liberal people, this is not just conservative people, and that's going to lead into the next question. This is everyone. You all need to really know what it is that you're supporting because there's Democrats, if we're being honest, 
that are just as racist as Republicans. Oh, yeah. Or even worse. Like, let's not forget, Bill Clinton incarcerated a lot of black people. A lot of people don't know. A lot of people don't know that. His wife referred to black children as super predators. Like, let's not forget these things. A lot of people don't remember this. People were hard on the three Hillary. strike bill. Like, come on. People were hard on Hillary back in 2016. But where was this at? Like I said, where is this? Or like we said, where is this research that you could have done? Where's this five even, minutes of research you could have done about Hillary during the war on Trump? 45. 45, when the Central Park Five was a thing, when that was occurring, he wrote an op ed in the newspaper talking about these people need to die. These people need to die because they did this to this woman and they did not. They did not. They didn't do anything to her. The woman who accused Emmett Till of of harassing her is now on her deathbed. And she now felt the need to say that he didn't do it. Where, where was that 70 plus years ago? That boy died. He was murdered. Drowned. Everybody, Battered Anybody listening to this, I don't care if you've seen a picture of the body already, look it up. Again. Look it up. I want you to look it up. Again. I want you to look at it. All because of a lie. A fabrication. For what? Like, come on now. Yeah. All right. Next question. Because we are running a little bit low on time. All right. So this is, I think this was probably the the biggest question. We're going to tackle it in these last 10 minutes. Let's do it. Oh, uh, okay. So this was a question that I have considered a lot. Um... Why do black men on this campus love non-black girls so much? That was the first question I got on my Instagram story <laughs> yesterday. And I was like, <laughs> I texted you right away. I said, Enrique, we got ourselves a show tomorrow already. I'm going to try as best as I can to give this answer as a black man. First of all, the black community is so, so so small on this campus you would be so surprised about how many black faces that you don't see and how many that you do see that are the same faces that you're going to see every day because there's not there's not enough literally straight up there are not enough black and brown faces on this campus first of all second of all why do they love non-black women so much i think love is I'm not going to say the wrong word. I, I wouldn't use the word love. I wouldn't use the word love, though. I, chase, maybe. Lust after, okay, fine. Um, scheme, even, to use a euphemism, okay. Why do they scheme so much, these non-black women? Because you texted me earlier, literally today at like four, three or 4 a.m., is because that non-black women make themselves more available to black men. And honestly... I'm not going to hold you. No, I've never been the one to hold you. I've had that experience before where they have made themselves more available as compared to women of color on this campus and women of color throughout my whole life in my 19 plus years of living. Now, at the same time, there are black men that are also involved in Greek life on this campus, whether that be the Divine Nine, the Q's, the Kappas, Alphas. Um, those are the prime three in the city of Philadelphia or in the suburb of Philadelphia. I apologize, because we just had that argument a couple minutes ago. <laughs> but there are also ones that are involved in the um, PHC. What is the Panhelic? I don't know the full acronym, but those are the white fraternities. Panhelic Panhellenic Council? Panhellenic Council? Something like that, yeah. Okay. 
There are also black men that are involved in those. And there are also sororities on this campus. There are D9 sororities. There are also white sororities. So when these black men are involved in white fraternities, they go to white fraternity parties where there are a lot of sorority girls that are going to be at these parties, whether it's a mixer, a formal, whatever. And that's another easy availability of access. So Chase, those are just some of the ways that they make themselves more available. And also at the same time, it comes down to black men not willing to put in the work to chase after a woman of color or straight up a black woman. And that's hard. I've been through it many of times, not necessarily on this campus, but in my life, I've been through it. It's tough. It is a lot of hard work that a lot of people are not willing to do. So I'm not trying to make a generalization about the black male community on this campus, but I know from my perspective, I've done what it takes to quote unquote scheme a black woman. And honestly, it works. It can be done. I think it's just a matter of not necessarily black men putting in the work, but also how about not going to call them out, but women of color also putting in the work to bring everyone together. Why not shoot a shot? Why not slide into somebody's DMs? And if somebody doesn't give you the time of day, screw them. On to the next one. Because that's what I do. Well, I think that for women is different because, you know, for guys, they're allowed. I feel as men, we're allowed to, you know, to, 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 to slide in the DM and, and to do that kind of that kind of thing and get away with it. Right, it's a double standard. Whereas if a woman does that, if a... Oh, look at her. Like, she, she gets around. She's a thought. She, she's a thought. Like, what is going on? Like, what is she doing? Like, she sees with everybody. And, and that's not fair either. And I think that, for me, my, my opinion on this, it's not very complicated. I think that, kind of going off of what Tyler said, it's just a lot easier. And, and that's not a dig at, at black women at all like don't change at all do not make yourself don't act lower than what you are or less like a, a great and amazing than what you are to to please or to conform to these men that just don't don't realize the effect that they have on people don't do that because they're going to come to their senses and it's going to be too late at that point because you're probably going to already have a situation like I know me and Tyler talked about the at least in our year a lot of the the black women were going out with upperclassmen and I feel like that's because a lot of the times they're older they're more mature and they know they understand they understand that it's really not that difficult like it's not that hard it's just a matter of of communication and communicating and and actually being an authentic human being like another hot take jungle fever is real Jungle fever is very real especially that's on not campus. that hot that's not that hot for 100%. some people it's hot for some people it's hot and when you have people thirsting over you when you have a very specific group of people thirsting over you and you have another group of people that may find you attractive but you it requires some work to be put into that realistically somebody who's just trying to get off or somebody who's not really looking for somebody to actually hold them down what are they gonna do they're gonna go the easy route why would you climb a tree to get an apple from the top of the tree when there's apples on the ground. And that's not right because the apples on the ground, they might be bruised and they might have been stepped on and they might have they might not be good. They might have worms in them. 
Like, you don't know what's going on with oh. the apples on the ground. And that's not shade. That's just a fact. No, that's true. Like, I, that. I think that it's sad, and I wouldn't... I don't like that that's the case. Um, if you're a woman of color, a black woman, and you're listening to this, I apologize on behalf of men of color because I think that it sucks. I think it doesn't make sense. I think that a lot of it, more hot takes, is self-hatred. Um, a lot of it is just this idea that white is right, that the white woman is, is the woman. Um, and it's sad because, like, in my eyes, it's hard for me to distinguish when a white... Like, whenever a white person is with a black person or a person of color, it's hard for me to distinguish whether or not it's, it's a fetish or whether or not it's it's love it's because I don't I don't love doesn't have love seasonal boundaries love doesn't have color in my opinion so obviously I don't find anything wrong with interracial dating or anything like that however I it's hard it's kind of like guilty until proven innocent like how do I know that this isn't just a fetish for you this is just a phase that you just wanted to have a black man on your on your belt you know like oh I I did this with a black man like I did that like I did that while I was in college. Right, so it's the hypersexualization of black bodies, which has been a topic for so long, not just surrounding us, but all over. You can look in the media, you can look in Hollywood, look at Halle Berry in the movie Monsters Ball and her very graphic sex scene that won her an Oscar. You could look at Serena Williams and you want to look at the athletic sphere. You could. You could even look at male athletes. You could look at LeBron, how f- people fiend over LeBron, Steph Curry, like these black Especially men and women. Especially Steph Curry, because Steph light Curry skin. is light. Light skin. And he he apparent as as a mixed man. And the, this is a, this is another thing. The the fetishiz- the fetishization of mixed. That's people a tough word. Yeah. Is another big one, like this idea that like a black person and a white person or like just a lighter person will have like these beautiful babies. Why, why? That's not true. You can have somebody that's real light and have somebody that's real dark, and they'll have a dark baby. And then what? You're not gonna want the baby anymore because the baby didn't come out with cute little loose curls and blonde hair, but but tan skin and blue eyes. Like, what is this? Like, why are we manufacturing children? What? Why are we thinking about what our kids are gonna look like? That's crazy to me. Cause ki- kids. <laughs> I've had arguments with my parents. I ain't having no kids no time soon. <laughs> no time soon. But also, going back to the Villanova thing, honestly, as a whole, the dating scene is all the way screwed up. Just completely by everyone. People don't even date anymore, being 100% honest. It, it's, it's possible. Don't get me wrong. People do date, but it's very, very rare. I would say there's more a of a hookup culture. No, there's more of a hookup culture than a dating culture. No, no, I know. I'm saying that's like, I think... That's a generational thing. I think that's very much common for our generation. Right, so that's why the date, the dating thing, that's where the gray area comes in because then you go from dating versus hookups and, yeah, just the whole culture at Villanova when it comes to the dating life and the frat life and how those two intersect with each other, it just gets real weird and fishy. Now, I don't want to... Hold on. I want to seem like I'm dodging this question i'm taking it straight on because we saved it last because it was going to take the most time and we're probably running a little bit over yeah we are but forget it nobody's coming to the studio to kick us out so we got time before i gotta go and uh take care of some other business for our villanova basketball team we got time honestly this is our first episode we're working out the kinks 
this is a hot topic. And for me personally, I've gotten questions on both sides. I've gotten questions from my parents, my mom, my stepdad, um, other family members. I've gotten questions from the man that's sitting two feet away from me in the studio. I've gotten questions from... Yeah, I do press him. I press him all the time. He does. I keep him in check. Always. And, but I need, somebody, I, I need somebody like that all the time. I, I've gotten questions from women on this campus on both sides of the spectrum when it comes to race. Not both sides, but all different races on this campus. I've gotten questions. I try to keep my stuff personal when it comes to that part of my life. But at the same time, I'm not anti-black. I'm not anti-white. Like you said, Enrique, I agree with you. I don't think love sees any color. I don't think love has any boundaries. But at the same time, there needs to be a point where is it true love, quote unquote, or is it a fetishization? And that's something that people need to figure out. And for me personally, I don't want to be fetishized by anyone, by anybody, straight up. I, I don't because you can lust after a person all you want. There comes a point where that just gets really weird, really quick. <laughs> and it just looks terrible by everyone involved. So for me. I don't want to be fantasized over. I don't want to be looked at as, oh, my God, he's so this, that, and the third. Like how some people do with, I, I keep associating it to people in Hollywood, but let's take the man whose movie is about to come out, Creed Two, Michael B. Jordan. Everyone loves them some Michael B. Jordan, but then people come down on him because they like to criticize his sex life that he may or may not have. He hasn't said anything publicly about it, but people like to make speculations. Why? When you don't know anything about it. If people want to be all up in somebody else's mix, why are you doing that? Why are you being a chatty patty? To quote <laughs> the great Dame Dash. Why are you in somebody else's business when you don't oh, know anything wow. about their business? Chatty patty, I've never heard that one before. A chatty patty. All right, a chatty patty I is... I don't what, need it in the description. I, but I, still... I, I, have, I have a brain. I yeah. can put it together. But still, like, why are people up in somebody's mix? Stay in your own mix. Worry about you, yourself. And if it comes to a point where somebody wants to talk to me, I'm I'm open. I'm willing to talk. I'm willing to do that work, whatever it takes. It's just a matter of can I find that right person? And will I find him on Villanova's campus? I don't know. Where will I be two hours from now? I don't know. But that's what life is. We'll we'll see I'll see how the dominoes fall, honestly. I think for me, where I get not uncomfortable, but where I get upset is um like I said earlier, I don't think there's anything wrong with interracial couples at all. Um, I think it's it's whatever. Like, I personally, I don't care about them. But I think that there's a line to be drawn, like you said. Like, is it is it a fetish? Is it you're only dating her because you feel like white women are, are better? Are a better, but b what's the word? Sub more submissive. And won't put up as much of a fight, no. and won't won't you know like that's where it becomes prop. That's where interracial that's becomes where it's, problematic. It's problematic for me because those black men, that to me is self hatred, and like that, I think that is an issue. That to me is a problem. Like I don't think you can chastise all black men for finding white women attractive or finding lighter skinned women attractive because everyone finds whoever they find attractive attractive. attractive. I think that it becomes an issue when you're making it a point to dislike somebody because of their race like an example an issue that i like i and it, it's sort of similar like in the same vein white gay men and their fetish with black men um or their lack of and like in high school there was someone 
who would always say that he never he didn't like black guys, and like that's crazy to me because no black guy looks the same. Like there's black guys that are my complexion, there's black guys that are your complexion, there's black guys that are short, black guys that are tall, black guys that are built, black guys that are skinny, black guys from different places that speak different languages, different hair textures, like different eye colors. You're not gonna find the same person twice on this world you're not you can't say that you don't like somebody because of something that first of all is a social construct not somebody not, not somebody real. a group of somebodies a group of people that are totally a different from each other group of people like I can if I if I take Tyler and I grab any random black man on this campus they're not gonna look the same they're not gonna be the same their personality is not the same so the fact that people feel comfortable with saying I don't like black women or I don't like black men. Or I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like Latino men. I don't like Latino women. That, to me, is the issue. Because how are you generalizing a people based on a category that isn't real? Like, race is a social construct. And all, all day, every day. Look, Talk about it. Ethnicity, same thing. All these things were terms made up by human beings. They didn't exist before us. We made them. Therefore, we can deconstruct them. And the fact that we're, we're going to these lengths of saying this group of people I don't like because I just don't like them. Or this, that, that, how? How are you going to generalize like that? And it's the same thing at, at the black men who will only date white women. Like, obviously, I don't know what's going through your head. But if I have the suspicion that you're doing it because you feel like it's easier, because like it's not going to be a fight, because it's not going to be a situation where you actually have to put in actual real work, that to me, that's disgusting. For lack of a better word. Like, come on. We have to do better. Again, another theme of today, do better. All the time. There's always work to be done. There's always self-reflection to be done. And at the end of the day, it's it's not cute. Like, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. And, again, for the 50 millionth time, there's nothing wrong with dating a white woman if you're a black man. Nothing wrong with dating a black man if you're a white woman. Nothing wrong with dating a black girl if you're a white guy. There's nothing wrong with that. However, be intentional and be... And, and have these conversations. I think that this this is really essential to, to these relationships. You need to have these conversations because at the end of the day, you don't have a mutual understanding. Like, it's not... And even even two people of the same race are going to have a mutual understanding of that race. There's so many different narratives that no... There's that there's black know. suburban culture. There's there's black center, there's black inner city culture. There's there's black culture from the South. Like, there, there's so many different cultures of, of different races from different geographical locations, different countries, different areas even. Like, Bronx culture and Brooklyn culture aren't the same. Bronx culture and Harlem culture aren't the same. Like, they're not the same. And that's a 15-minute drive from each other. It's the same city. It's funny to think about, right? You you would think that... But that you know where that comes from? That comes from not doing your research, not doing the work, not knowing different people from different backgrounds. Thinking that everybody's all the same person. Thinking that all New Yorkers say deadass, all my Tims be... All of that. <laughs> like, all the New York... And a York lot slang. of them do, but that's not the point. Right, that's, that's not, not the point. Is that everyone comes from somewhere different. Bronx slang is going to be different from Harlem slang. Every day of the week. Come from the same city, just like you said, 15, 20 minutes away, depending on where you're trying to get to. One train stop from some places. like Literally. Come but on. But it's different. Everybody comes from somewhere different, and we don't know the narratives of everybody on this case. What Even is there, people seven? in the same borough. I know people from the Bronx that are diametrically just opposed from me. Like, the different, the opposite of me. Completely different people. 
in the same borough. So you you just cannot generalize like that. You can't. Right. You Harlem, can't. Harlem's in the same borough as Soho. Think about that. Not even. Let's take it even smaller. Morningside Avenue is different. 117th and Morningside is different than 117th and Broadway. You know what's on 117th and Broadway? Columbia University. You know what's on 117th and Morningside? That's where I live. That's where I'm from. I'm from Morningside Park in Harlem. Columbia is literally separate, one park away from where I live. Totally different. I don't care about gentrification that's coming in to my neighborhood. It's still different. All day, every day. So we don't know the narratives of everybody. We don't know the narratives of said neighborhood. We don't know the narratives of a whole group of people. And like you said, that that's rooted in self-hatred. On every, on everybody, not just from one particular race or one particular um, gender or sexual orientation or any class or social identifier. That's self-hatred, no matter how you cut it. I I know we can't we can't do calls to action, so I'm gonna do a suggestion. I suggest that people take at Villanova. Obviously, if you don't go here, you can't do this, but. IGR is a really great, I think, course. It's a one credit. It meets for two hours a week. It only meets halfway through the semester, up until halfway through the semester, then it stops. And there's there's socioeconomic status. There's sessions on race, sessions on religion, sessions on sexual orientation. I think they're doing one on masculinity this semester. And I think that these are really essential because, at least for me in my experience, I heard stories that I would have never heard had I not been in that class, because it's literally a class constructed around hearing people's stories. And it's something that we don't do anymore, because we're sucked in the phones, and we're too busy about what's wearing what, and who's sleeping with who, and, and what song is coming out, and what. At the end of the day, we also have to remember, like, we're human beings, and if we get sucked into this virtual world, what is that going to end up in? Nothing. We're just going to be a whole bunch of robots walking around. Soon. Real, real soon. So, yeah. Speaking of overstaying our welcome. <laughs> we have overstayed hours. We are 11 minutes over time. but Well, we also started 11 minutes late, so they can get over it. Right. Um, and nobody's coming to the studio after us. But anyway, Enrique, this is your opening show. You you can wrap it up for us. Say whatever you got to say. Say whatever you get off your chest before we... Chest, right? Always. All right. Well, before we close, um, if you're listening to this... I know, we know that the, the streaming didn't work, so if you're listening, it's because you're listening to the recording. Thank you for sitting through it. Um, I don't know, just thank you for tuning in. Um, a quick shout out, today is November 17th. Um, that is Lucy's birthday. Shout out to Lucy, if you don't know Lucy, Lucy's my sister. Um, shout out to you, happy birthday, I hope you have a great day. I couldn't be there today, but I'll see you on Tuesday. Um, you know, much love. No need to describe that, um, you know, and thank you for listening, and we'll catch you in two weeks. All right, shout-out to everybody that's been pressing us for so long, asking when's it going to come out. We're here! We're here now. We're going to get this posted sometime soon, and we won't be back in the studio a week from now because we'll still be enjoying our Thanksgiving leftovers. We'll right. be back two weeks from now. Right. We're going to get a pop, and we're going to get to some things. Yeah, and we'll have one week under our belt. We'll focus on the tape, critique what we got to critique, make adjustments like Nikki should. <laughs> okay. We out of here. Beast.